Hello, and welcome to Book Reviews Kill, a podcast about fantasy, sci-fi, and horror novels. I'm Chad. And I'm Evan. And you're listening to The Friday Forge, a weekly episode where we dismantle short stories, smelt bookish ideas, and hammer out topics brought forth by the Book Reviews Kill community. Today, you're joining us for our recap and discussion of Drive, an expanse short story by James S.A. Corey. I I think everyone knew we were going to end up reading an, an expanse short story, right? We just I mean, couldn't get enough. Like, what, nine books isn't enough for us? No, no, I have to isn't. keep reading this stuff. I finished Abaddon's Gate in, I, I had already read like 150, almost 200 pages, and I finished the rest of it in one sitting. And folks, that book is, what, 850 pages? No, no, it's 550. Oh, really? It must <laughs> yeah. be smaller than some of the other ones. I think I'm yeah. in Aragon Bursinger mode where everything's yeah, exactly. just eight or 900 pages. <laughs> it's still a big, very long, yeah. big boy book. But I can't get enough of this. And I went, I've got Memories Legion, which is a uh, collection of all the short stories and novellas. And so I've been digging into that. I'm already into a couple other ones. I read Drive. I loved it so much. And for everybody listening, this is chronologically the first short story set in the Expanse universe. So you don't need to have read any of the Expanse books or novellas to follow along with us here. But of course, we always encourage our listeners to read the story themselves. And you could definitely definitely find this short story out there in the internet world with very little effort uh you know just 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 type it in go find it you'll you'll find it (laughs) it's a testament to the overall quality of this story and this world that has been created by how much we want more of it and before we jump in let's go ahead and hit that summary because i got things to say you got things to say and we'll get carried away i know us let's do it the story begins with solomon epstein in his yacht orbiting Mars, testing out his new acceleration drive. He watches on screen as the number of Gs rapidly increases past 7 Gs as his vessel passes Phobos. When he tries to reach for the control panel to stop the yacht, he feels something pop in his elbow. He considers the amount of ships needed to rescue him, calculates that his burn could last 37 hours, and realizes how much trouble he's really in. Ten years earlier, Solomon meets his future wife at the Danbad Nova Research Center. It has been three generations since humans first began their habitation on Mars. He drinks with a group of friends and notices Caitlin Esquibel has recently joined the group. Solomon is too shy to talk to her, but when he finally leaves, she joins him outside where he asks if she'd like to come home with him. Back on the ship, Solomon realizes that the sustained acceleration will eventually kill him. He strains for the manual shutoff in the control panel, but he is not able to reach it. Solomon then reaches for his hand terminal in an attempt to contact Caitlin and tell her to shut down the drive remotely. One night three years into their relationship, Caitlin comes to Solomon's place crying over the news of the UN invoking the breakaway province rule. She tells him Earth is sending 40 warships to Mars due to the planet's attempt to secede from Earth. Caitlin fears the Earthers will attack and kill everyone on Mars in a planet-wide bombardment. She stays the night at Solomon's place, and the next morning he asks her to marry him. Three months later, the Earth ships turn back after negotiations with Mars. On the yacht once more, Solomon struggles to use his hand terminal. As he contemplates what his new drive would mean for Mars and the solar system at large, the hand terminal falls out of his hand and onto the floor. With the G's putting extreme amounts of pressure on his body and hand, he is unable to retrieve it and also recognizes he is having a stroke. Six years into his marriage, Solomon uses his work bonus to buy a used yacht for himself. 
Caitlin is annoyed with him for buying the yacht without telling her first. Over the course of a year, he fixes all the ship's issues in pursuit of test runs, believing he could increase the efficiency of the engines by 4.5%. Before his final test, Solomon tells Caitlin he will return before leaving for the last time to take the yacht into orbit around Mars. In his last moments, Solomon tells himself Caitlin will be fine, she'll be able to sell his drive design and be financially secure for the rest of her life. As the expanse of space envelops him, he laments being unable to see all the changes his drive will bring to the solar system. That was fantastic. That was so good. That was so good. It had me like halfway on the edge of my seat. And then the other part was just like a really cool look into how people interact, how relationships can grow and like healthy choices. Half of the story, you're just like, oh my gosh, this guy is going to die. And then the other half is just like this nice little like kind of yeah. vibe check almost. Like it's, it brings a certain humanity to all the technology that's responsible for the way that things actually end up being. There was always humanity through all of this. You know, it's like a right. reminder that, that yeah, the Epstein drive was really important, but like think about all the stuff that was going on around then too. And it's like, think about the industrial revolution. Like that's just a chapter in the textbook right now, but no, those were real people with real relationships, with real problems, with real fears that were all embroiled up into that. And it was way more complicated than just some machines worked. And now we're here, you know, we have to right. remember that kind of stuff. Who is this written by? I think uh, Ty Frank and Daniel Abraham kind of tag team the, uh, the short stories as well. Cause okay. in the afterwards it says like, we thought this, or we did this. Uh, Got it. You know what I mean? It's written very much with their voice. Yeah, definitely. Uh, did you notice when Saul asks Caitlin to come home with him, which I was like, yeah, oh, wow, cool. <laughs> like, I know exactly what you're talking about. He says, going a little fast there, Saul. And it's just like, that's such an awesome line. It's so great because it like it just mirrors the whole short story. He's, just, he's going a little fast. Like, <laughs> well, and it's going back and forth, right, between him. And that's the breakoff line to where it goes. The story goes back to him going fast going it says something like and speed wasn't the problem yeah, uh, yeah it was the that. like g forces that he was pulling it's the on acceleration him. i thought that was really interesting too because i had never really thought about that before like i'm not a physicist i don't i didn't study physics in school or anything and um it's interesting that like it's not about how fast you're going really like i mean like it's it's the acceleration right it's the relative change where you are yeah, right now i'd never really thought about that before and there's something about the expanse where like you know i've read three of the books now I am quite a few pages into this series and it's it talks about gravity and g forces all the time like mm -hmm. so to the point where I'm almost kind of sick of it but it's really important that it's talked about as much as it is because it's something that I haven't seen explored in a whole lot of different things you know like I mean on uh, in in Dune like when they go to Arrakis it's like it's the same gravity whatever you know and it's like right, in, right. in a lot of different sci-fi things that you'll look at uh, gravity is not really taken into account like as much, but with this, it's it's in almost every conversation or every every piece of the narrative is just like, yeah, he floated in here because the gravity is only like at a third G or something, and it really has a lot to do with everything else that's going on. It has a huge impact on everything. It's ah, it's so cool, right? And is one of the biggest, like weirdly dividing factors between like the Earthers seemingly able to, and I know this is getting a little bit extra of the short story, but able to enact a war and treat some of the people who live on like Mars and Belters as not people simply because they couldn't survive in their environment. And it's like, man, they look different. Yeah. They look a little different. And it did 
also kind of bring to my mind that, boy, you know, raising a child in that environment, if you had the choice of like going back home or sticking out there, it's like you have a cutoff point that once, you know, this child gets beyond a certain point and they've only been in low G, they can't ever go to the earth because it's like going to rip them to pieces. It's like torture just being on the planet. There's like a drug and physical therapy regimen. I think that that's kind of gone over in the third book for like little kids. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But I think it's past a certain point. It's like they've grown too much. Their body has yeah. elongated that spine and stuff, you know? Yeah, that's, uh, that's a really, really cool part about this series. Even though I yeah. am a little bit annoyed with like <laughs> just the terminology of this. Whatever. I have to get used to right. it. We get it. It's a huge skyscraper that's built in levels in the forest. And the- <laughs> oh, I, I, we have to get used to it. And another thing that I really love about this short story is, uh, and, and I saw this a little bit also in the third book, Abaddon's Gate, is this kind of... Uh, in the afterword here, uh, James S. A. Corey kind of refers to it as like a uh, like an existential FOMO, fear of missing out. You know, uh, that's mm. like a really big thing in these books that I've noticed. Is like it's not necessarily about like legacy in a necessarily like um, like conceited or arrogant kind of way. It's more like a very sincere like man. I would really like to see how this all shakes down. You know, like and it's it's almost like this. There's a certain optimism to it that I was really endearing, both in the third book that I just finished and in this short story here, where I really liked how Solomon kind of goes out knowing that he probably did something really great. He probably did something that's going to hopefully, (laughs) hopefully, uh, at the when all is said and done, be a net positive for the human race. And he worked really hard on that. And the reason, or at least what I feel like one of the communicated reasons, uh, not necessarily overtly stated reasons, but the reason that Saul was so intent on this was because of his wife's like kind of fears that were happening while she was living on Mars, which I thought was such a nice touch. It was so subtle. It was so nicely done. Ah, mm-hmm. what a good short story. It really fueled him. And to give everyone the kind of the deeper explanation there of why because, you know, the Earth is running out of precious minerals and resources that Mars has an abundance of. But by bringing the world the Epstein drive, the ability to get to the outer reaches of our solar system quickly, it eliminates the need for Mars to be the only provider. These corporations can go other places. So it's not just this like, we want what Mars has, this huge conflict. It's like, no, there's other fish in the sea that they can catch and pull out now. So it's not just, uh, it, it removed a huge factor that was driving i think the the war and the conflict between mars and oh. earth and, so and cool. that's so true because like and we we kind of talked about that in our episode about the jaunt where um, they had made teleportation possible uh, where you kind of like alleviate the cost that comes with transporting goods and tr- getting out to where you go get those goods and things like that if you're able to really quickly get those things and get to those things then it really kind of frees up a lot of stuff, you know. I mean, it saves a bunch of people money. It saves, you know, there's not as many like you know land grabs. I would imagine if you could just teleport over to an asteroid and there's just there's so much lithium, we would never run out for like a billion right. years, you know. I mean, like why would we ever go invade another country or something? Like, there's no point, you know. Like, why spend the manpower on that when we can just go get it over here, you know? Um, so yeah, that is the the implications of being able to travel at that ridiculous speed. I don't even know what seven G's is. I think I watched a video of somebody at like four G's or something and it was like too much for them. So right. Like a space, uh, a rocket taking off experiences five G's to get outside of our atmosphere, which is what you will experience in like the most intense 
roller coaster rides. And anything beyond that, it starts to get medically. You have to start like, you know, doing all the oh, doing the thing fighter with your pilot face. stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, uh, I think it's said here in the short story that humans could sustain like 20 Gs, but only for like a couple seconds or something. Right. And his equipment maxed out at seven, I think. So he had no idea. <laughs> he was so I liked Saul a lot. Yeah, I didn't oh, me get too. to spend too much time with him. You know, I thought maybe he was just going to be like this really like timid, nerdy guy. But then once he's out of the bar and he's like, do you want to come home with me? I was just like, this guy's super cool. All right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I loved also how it was just a really cool look into how people work and that, you know, the second that he was interested in her, he started caring about how he looked. And we, I don't know, we're always so quick to pass judgment or maybe it's just me. We're always so quick to pass judgments that I like having these reminders that that it's not always the case that someone's being conceited or... Um, you know, selfish or all about themselves. It's like, no, maybe they're actually displaying their own insecurities, you know? And it was just a, I don't know, it's a cool reminder that not always our knee-jerk interpretation of someone's actions and attributing like our own motives to what they're doing or what we think is necessarily true because he wasn't being conceited at all. He was just like, oh no, how do I look? Because I'm into this person, you know? And even then he goes and, and kind of ignores her for the rest of the night because he doesn't want to seem needy or desperate or anything. It's like, that could come off kind of rude and it's like he really just he's really into her as opposed to the opposite which it might be interpreted as which is like oh this guy's just standoffish and doesn't <laughs> care about me you know one thing i was curious about i wanted to kind of pick your brain on about this is so obviously getting a certain amount of efficiency when it comes to these drives is probably on a lot more people's minds than just you know solomon epstein i i, I, had, I had hoped when I when I found about found out about what this was, that maybe it was kind of a look into exactly how the Epstein drive works, uh, and I don't really need that all the time, obviously, but I am kind of fascinated with like this hyperspeed ability to, for these ships to travel and things like that. So I was a little bit disappointed that it wasn't really about that. Like it wasn't really a because like, I mean my mind kind of just went down this tunnel where it was like, okay, how had nobody in the UN figured this out yet like why this guy right like what did what did he figure out that nobody else did was there like a an element that somebody was missing recapture the heat to cycle it into more motion you know so and i don't necessarily that's not it doesn't have to be in here and i do like the human element of this but i feel like you probably could have done both but like it's it's fine (laughs) i mean like I was just kind of curious, like, what do you mean? What do you think about that? I do. I mean, I'm a nerd, so I fully yeah, care. I was hoping that they would take a stab at it. Like, <laughs> like I was going into like, you know, we have some cars now that can get much more out of their battery because the, the braking of the car or going down hills where you're not accelerating, it'll actually take it, some of the energy off of the um, wheels that are spinning and recharge the fuel so it kind of like recycles some which would be a reduction of the loss of energy which any machine is going to um uh, and and experience as you convert like heat to force um like forward motion or something or however you're doing it so yeah i did hope that they kind of like at least took obviously they can't say or else we could do that right but like you know (laughs) give me some sort of like and this one nut and bolt reduced the slippage and ba ba ba. Yeah, I've never really tried writing science fiction before, but I imagine it's like kind of difficult sometimes because you're yeah. like, I want to do this, but we've never really figured that out. And in fantasy, you can just be like, I don't know, they ate shards of metal and they were just born right. like that. So who cares? Magic. You know what I mean? <laughs> but with, with science fiction, I feel like you got to kind of like be a little more, you got to be a little more graceful about it, you right. know? Which The Expanse does better than any I've ever read before, for sure. I think they do a lot through omission, which is really clever of them. You know what I mean? Like they, they just kind of, they don't really worry about stuff 
sometimes, you know, it's like the Epstein drive. It's like, it's not just that they found like this magic crystal and just jammed it into this motor and now it works, you know, cause then, yeah, that's cool. But then like, how does the ship not fall apart? Like it's like a high Star Trek. You know what I mean? Like you, <laughs> how does stuff work in Star Trek? I haven't watched that. It's much a dilithium yet. crystal. It's exactly what they said. They found oh, a magic that literally? crystal and jammed it in. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there's some Trekkie out there ripping his hair up. But what they do a really good job on and in The Expanse is not necessarily explaining how the technology works, but saying if this technology were to work, what would be the ensuing outcome and the physics that are involved with that? And they yeah. do a really good job in explaining how that affects the people, the world, their interactions, yada, yada. Yeah, I mean, like even um, with the crash couches and for people listening that haven't read The Expanse and have just read this, um, one of the things that they invented because of the thing that Saul was dealing with in this trial that he was running is that they have these things called crash couches and you lay down in it when you're going to do what's called a burn, which is when you're going to like go really, really fast through space. And that acceleration is really hard on your body. So they invented these things where you lay in them and then it like injects you full of a bunch of drugs that'll like keep you like adrenaline keeps your blood from pooling at the back yeah, of your he's... brain and stuff <laughs> that's so crazy what it was talking about how like all the blood goes to the back of your oh. body like into your kidneys and stuff. it's really cool too and it takes from modern life right because when we were inventing the technology to get us out of our own um atmosphere things like memory foam was invented because they were trying to figure out a way to cushion the tuchus of the astronauts. So they didn't, they, no, they didn't end up using memory foam because it is a comfort foam, not a support foam. Um, but you know, we've, it's changed the way that we sleep. And so just these, yeah, it, so it does a really good job giving like nods to the technology that it affects that are adjacent to it. That's not necessarily just all about rockets, you know, this is so off topic and I know that we're supposed to stay on stuff, but I know that Get you, it, baby. I know, <laughs> I know that you, you used to sell mattresses for a living. I, uh, I did. I'm, I'm in the market for a new mattress. Oh, uh, hit me. Like so, you're talking about memory foam. But is that like a scam, or should I like go for that, or should I get like what's the what's the purple bed with like the? Okay, <laughs> I'm so this sorry, is, everybody. No, no, great. I mean, that was here for the. the I literally, I worked at a mattress store for three or four years, and one day walked in, was like, I don't even care. Why do I know so much about you? Because uh, I had to like write essays on the different types of latex wow. and stuff, so I know way more than I even want to. But memory foam. Think of this as a open-celled foam, which is why I called it a comfort foam, not a support foam. So think of the cell like a wiffle ball. It's got a bunch of holes in it. And you can take that because of that and compress all the air out of it. So if you had a block that was a foot thick, eventually you could get your hands to even like touch. It's never supporting you. It's just comforting okay. you. A support foam or latex or some of these other foams is a closed cell. And so like a bunch of balls all stacked together, they bounce and they push off of each other oh, and they stack. Yeah, so they provide support. The purple, and, and I don't, I didn't sell them. I haven't done tons of research into them, but it's using this cool, this gel cooling foam. That's like a memory foam. It's like half memory foam, half these cooling gel beads, if I have this correct. Whoa. And these cooling gel beads are closed celled. And so it kind of changes the memory foam feel from that like sand like feeling, which I don't really like actually, um, to this more springy pushback latexy feel, which is why I really like latex because it's a, support foam and a comfort foam simultaneously See, but it also that breathes all, that all sounded really scientific you know like that, <laughs> that all lines up correctly with what i'm talking about it's all it's all science man it's cool it's all science man dude yeah. go online beds, and get yourself one of these springless beds that you can get for like pretty cheap these days uh and and add some like get some cooling memory foam layer gels and uh layers in there some latex you'll be good to go dude beds are expensive 
they are expensive. Like I walked past a mattress store the other day. It was like $3,000 for like this. And I was like, oh man, but I bet you'd sleep really well. You probably will, but it really depends on the body. Every person is so different, you know, which right. was really fun, man. I got into the most, I, I'm, you know, there's like the person who sells from product knowledge. There's a, there's the closer salesperson. And then there's the rapport builder who sells to you for, because he's made friends. Every salesperson should be all three, but uh, I was definitely more of the friend builder. And because of that, I would kind of break down people's walls and, you know, you do the most intimate things in your life on your bed. And so I would, I had some wild conversations <laughs> with people. <man. laughs> all right. I think that's going to do it for us today. We talked about drive by uh, James S.A. Corey, the first short story chronologically at least in the expanse and we got to talk about mattresses so i feel like we covered a whole spectrum here that was a great episode in my opinion me too and it linked all in that was so good (laughs) everybody thank you so much for listening to our friday forge episode join us next week when chad and i talk about pillows i'm just kidding uh, (laughs) something related to books if you have any questions make sure you jump in the discord and put those in the friday forge channel we really appreciate having some questions uh, and answering some things that we know that you want answered as opposed to shooting into the darkness and sometimes landing on mattress technology so uh make sure you hop on in there and give us your questions we also have a Patreon, everybody. It really helps a lot. We have exclusive videos and uh, full-length episodes, deleted scenes, book giveaways. Whole book club in there now. Whole book club in there. I'm giving free bookmarks out to everybody. We, it's just, just get on in there. It's a good time. And you get your own role in the Discord if you want to head into the Patreon. I don't know how to advertise the Patreon without sounding like I'm selling something, but it's really cool. So We're selling us, and it's awesome. Anyway, everybody, thank you so much for listening. Hope you all have an awesome rest of your day. And of course, happy reading, and go read The Expanse, because The Expanse is awesome. Oh, good. Bye, everybody.